He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to A Good Talk Spoiled, podcast week 42. I'm James Richardson, and I'm absolutely delighted to say that this week I am not joined by either Bobby or Alan, but I am only joined this week by Barry O'Hanran. Hey, Barry. That's great. The champagne's about to be popped open, isn't it? I know, it's fantastic. Uh, more airtime for us this week. Um, as always, we appreciate the feedback and the comments we received uh, over the last seven days, and we'd love to hear any views that you have on today's show, or any ideas that you have, and, and particularly, as we'll talk later about Torsos, it came from a suggestion by Brian Bennett on uh, Twitter, and so we thank you very much for that. So if anybody has any views, get in contact with us on Twitter at a podcast GTS, uh, Facebook under Good Talk Spoiled, or our email address is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. And um, if, al- if you want to give Brian a follow as well, it's at Mr. Brian Bennett. He's uh, extremely active on Twitter. He's always posting some good stuff. And, you know, Tour Sauce is, uh, is right up at the top of those for yeah. us anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, on this whole Twitter thing yet. So I, I just assume that people can find it on Brian Bennett, but obviously not. It's, it's okay. At, it's okay. At, at, what is it? At Mr. Brian Bennett. Yeah. yeah when you're in about 20 years and you have kids, you know, they can show you how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, Talking about showing people how to do it, uh, how was your golf over the week, Barry? That was the antithesis of showing people how to do it. Or not, as the case may be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I started with two pars, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. I played golf, and uh, I'm going to go out and play golf again next week and try to do an awful lot better. Yeah, it was a tale of two halves for me. This was Glory's last chance this season for us in Glen of the Downs. It was uh, the October medal, and uh, the winter is starting. Looking at the window here, uh, is starting to close in pretty quickly, so... Unfortunately, we no medals to, to show for us this year, but uh, I had a tail of two halves. I had an outrageously poor front nine, and then I was three over gross on the back nine. Yeah, it was almost like you did Superman. You went into the phone box, changed outfit, came back out, and just was a totally different golfer in the back nine. I think uh, probably a lot of people will probably understand this comment, that I think probably on the 10th tee, it was so bad on the front nine that I relaxed so much that actually whatever happened on the back nine, it couldn't be worse than the front. Mm-hmm. And... Once that happened, the swing was a bit looser and things just happened for me. But, um, yeah, I was happy. I, I played, on as I told the listeners last week, um, I was picked to play in Royal Dublin for the, the Bar Council, which is the Barristers Association in Ireland, against the Law Society, which is the Solicitors. And uh, I'm glad to say over 34 years, uh, for only the fourth time in its history, uh, we regained the coveted trophy, uh, winning the tournament seven and a half to six and a half, which was nice. Nice. Maybe the Americans could learn something for you guys about how to win a, a team event. Yeah, well, it was it was tied. It went down to the last two games, and uh, you know, I was very disappointed in our own game. We we ended up storming out to a four up lead after eight holes, and they got it back to just two up um, by the twelfth, and then kind of chipped away at it and, and we were actually two down on 17. I ended up powering 17 to be one down on 18 and I missed probably a 10 to 12 footer up a hill to, to have the half after uh Hope that doesn't go to your place next year. Come here, what was the course like in Royal Dublin? I've heard so many great things about this. The, the course is stomach. Um, the, actually, the setting is just as beautiful as, as the course itself. It's It's not hilly or undulating with dunes like we have down in Carn. Um but it, it it's 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 absolutely amazing. It's um the front nine you go out or the first eight holes you actually kinda of go north and then east and then straight back in. So it's, it's a real traditional link. Straight out and straight back. Yeah, yeah. So we had the wind only slightly behind us because there wasn't a huge amount of wind. It was a beautiful day. But uh, it's a stunning course. Well worth anybody who's in Dublin who hasn't played it or any visitors who are coming I would well recommend trying to get out there it's a it's a real gem and the history of the course is just absolutely amazing particularly I was um looking at the in the changing room they had pictures of a very young Ricky Fowler and Dusty Johnson 
when they came over to play a US uh, amateur event, team event. So mm. it has a lot nice. of history in it. And uh, I think it's the second oldest golf course in, 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 in Ireland. Uh, definitely high on my bucket list now. And after hearing another glowing review, it just just makes it makes it even more cherishing. You know, yeah. Something I really want to do. And it's definitely, it was one that, like, you had to be so precise. I hit an absolute stitcher on uh, on one of the par threes, looked up, put the golf ball, golf ba- uh, club in the bag, looked up and the ball was gone <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden the lads had said yeah it just trickled off and I found myself in a little pop belly bunker on the right hand side like it you know it's you got to be precise but a cracking cracking track and one that I definitely recommend and um, on that note uh, let's talk about equipment um, first uh, before we go to the news because the Pro V1s and the Pro V1Xs were released today to the pros' hands in little white boxes mm. with very little fanfare and very little exposure, and we know very little about them at the moment. What we do know is Titleist have just announced that they have two new putters by Scotty Cameron that are available for this season called the Futura X5 and the X5R, and they go on sale on the 31st of October. And Barry, I think you have a look at these over the last couple of days. Uh, what's so special about these? Um, these putters are designed um, I'm going to quote the man himself Scotty Cameron um, it's for someone who likes the stability of a bigger head the feel of a bigger grip and likes to look down and see more lines for alignment purposes and they've kind of gone back into the history of Futura and worked really hard at the pros on developing these um, there are two models uh, one is the X5 and the other one is the X5R they are identical in weight and how they play. The only difference is at the very back of the putter, the, the kind of the fangs at the back. These are mallets now, they're mallets, should say, yeah, rather than, say, the, uh, yeah, the, kind so of the, the normal traditional. So it's more a mallet. Up. It's a mallet putter for people who, who, who want to. Yeah, so the, the there's only one difference between these two. Is that one has kind of rounded fangs, the other one has more angular fangs. But um, they look incredibly impressive, really well built, and you certainly pay your money for it because... Uh, they come in at $349, which you know translates, and I had a look at the euro, to about over €300 euro for a putter. So, um, I suppose the only thing is they do say that you know if you're going to spend that kind of on a driver, you might only use it for 14 or 15 holes. Well, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely hit the putter you know, maybe 30, 32, 35 times around. So well, hopefully less might, when you're uh, buying these ones, you know. Well, I, I certainly, like I'm a, I'm a Mallet user, and uh, I have to say I've, I've been looking at the Titleist Futura X, um, which is lovely, but I, I'm going to have a really close look at these when they come out. The other announcement today was the TaylorMade RSI irons, which uh, go on sale on the 1st of November. And they, they cleverly released this on a website called Miss Hits Happen, which I think is uh, yeah, it's nice. nice. So they're obviously aiming towards kind of the golf improver, but we, we'll have to have a look at this in better detail. It's only just been announced, so we don't know a huge amount about it. So yeah. we don't want to mislead anybody but we're going to maybe have a look at them next week some nice looking technology from the early signs but yeah check it out misshitshappen.com and um, we'll, we'll have we'll go into a bit more detail on that next week there wasn't a vast amount that happened at the portuguese masters as over uh, 70 mil of rain uh, over four days washed out the tournament and left it to a 36 hole event alexander levy won it at minus 18 but I think the person who came second uh, probably is the story of the week, and that was uh, Nicholas Coulthard's great attempt at a 59 on the first day. Uh, it was pretty special, and uh, he gave it a good run, caught a lot of the hole with his putt, and um, he's a bit gutted, you know, and for him to not to get the chance to go on and win the tournament then um, was was probably a bit cruel as well. But it's very, As we all know, it's very difficult to follow up. Well, sorry, not, not from personal experience. As the pros know, it's very difficult to follow up a good round with another good round and you know Colstrits did quite well but he was three shots behind Levy but you know the tournament was got cancelled and Levy gets the win so um, I'm sure a win is a win and absolutely. The, the, the winner's check is in his back pocket at this stage and the, the, the points it was a shame I suppose you kind of assume that the Portuguese Masters in yeah. Villamora is going to probably be baking in sun rather than uh, underwater interesting that the prize fund is cut when the event is shortened to 36 holes I think they only got 75% of the published prize fund because the sponsors don't get their full exposure so it kind of makes sense but look, he's got the title that's his second one this year and uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a he's a quality golfer this levy guy is absolutely and uh sure we'll we'll hopefully be talking about him again in the not too distant future when he wins over 72 holes 
Uh, the Fries.com Open took place in Napa in California uh, last weekend. San Moon Bay, is that how you say it? Yep. San Moon Bay won his first event on the new PGA Tour season, which wouldn't be hard as it was was the first uh, new PGA Tour event. Yeah. But um, Well, this is his second win, actually. Um, he won the HP Byron Nelson uh, last season, and he hasn't had a top 10 since then. So he just shredded the form book and uh, made it really difficult for people to guess who's going to win on any given week. As it, you know, it's tough enough. Yeah, I think we talked about tour. it last year, last week, where we said, you know, this is with so many of the guys coming from the web dot com and a lot of mm. the big names that you could probably put a kind of a, a pin into it and see where the value was. Well, the pin was on him at about somewhere between one hundred and twenty five and one hundred and fifty to one. So I certainly saw some excited people on uh, Facebook and Twitter with their posting their bet slips. So well, congrats to those. Well, if you're on they, and and for, for next week, if they might actually just tweet us those bet slips beforehand, <laughs> that advance, might be really yeah. helpful. And. I suppose uh, Jared Lyle, we mentioned last week, this is the guy who's uh, battled through illnesses over the last while. He came 31st, so that was good to see. Uh, he, mm. he only just qualified on the Monday. And um, I suppose the only real big news over there is that you know the task force has been set up with all the, the, the big names, but we'll see whether or not that actually has any bearing uh, over the next couple of weeks in their Ryder Cup. Team America, Golf Police, I don't know, it's it's a, it's a it's a whole lot of stuff, but we talk about that actually in um, my in the interview I did with uh, Mr. Tour Sauce, Chris Solomon, coming yeah. up now. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, this is um, Chris Solomon, uh, an American guy who is the originator and co-founder of the website NoLayingUp.com, which we talked a bit about last week, um, mm. you know, the twiddling of the the, the club and the pointing in the direction when it's a, 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 a fly ball to left field. And he's done three parts of the tour sauce. The, the website's excellent, and I'd recommend anybody who hasn't had a look at it to have a look at it. It's nolayingup.com. You sat down and had a chat with Chris over the last couple of days about a few areas, particularly his his inspiration for tour, tour, tour sauce, but more importantly, uh, his view on the Ryder Cup and... Uh, any plans that he had while he was in Europe to be uh, playing any golf? Yeah, so that was, that was a fun interview. So um, we're just going to hit play on that and let you guys listen to it. And we'll be back afterwards. So I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Solomon of NoLayingUp.com. A lot of you might know him from his hashtag TourSauce, uh, which has provided us with lots of entertainment. Chris, uh, welcome to a Good Talk Spoiled Golf podcast. Thanks for having me on, Barry. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Glad you guys have... Uh caught wind of tour sauce and i love what you've done with it so far it's uh listen to the last podcast and i was i was near tears laughing in the office at some of the parts so it's uh it's been a lot of fun guys seeing seeing tour sauce catch on and uh seeing it spread across the world i guess from uh, from the u.s to ireland oh good stuff well we're uh, we're delighted to have the master on the show here to uh to help us kind of take our tour sauce game to the next level <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, it, it all started as an inside joke between me and some friends, and it has just kind of spiraled and spiraled. And uh, it basically just started when, uh, whenever somebody—I I, don't—I couldn't tell you who started it, but whenever somebody would hit a, uh, a good shot it, or do something, you would follow it with an action that only a PGA Tour player playing in front of a huge gallery would actually do. So. If you hit a nice wedge onto the green to about 10 feet, and I say nice shot to you, you, you have to resist the urge to say thank you. You just give a polite crowd wave or a hat tip. And what's the, what started as that just kept kept snowballing. It kept going and going and going to the point where uh, people were, like if, uh, an example of something that never made the list of what we've done. If you saw, let's say the, uh, in the clubhouse, you pay for your round or whatever, and the, start, the guy in the clubhouse asks you to sign your receipt. You make a joke like, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna see this autograph on eBay, am I?" <laughs> <laughs> and it just kept going. It kept going to like, if you uh, ended up backing up off a shot for you were uncomfortable for whatever reason, you just start looking around like, "Hold the cameras, please. No cameras. Get on the path. Hold, please." And oh man, I can't tell you. It's like the links that it, it spiraled to. One of my, one of my friends, he actually. He went out and bought the full Ricky Fowler orange outfit and showed up to the course wearing it just to like just to keep trying to one up each other on the tour sauce. Oh, that is taking it to a good level. I like that. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Do you got do you see any evolution of tour sauce coming in the future? Like a little bit of commentator sauce or you know stuff to do with manufacturers or so we do we have an element of that as well so these uh for those not familiar we have a set of uh there's three parts to the, the tour sauce that we publish on our website that uh that, that are the easiest ones to display in gift form i guess you could say and could try to explain but there's a whole subset of things you can do as well that don't really fit into the, the format of being posted online but uh, we'll do we will do some commentator sauce when we're out playing as well so let's say you're about three feet off the green and you're chipping and you pull the flag on the chip we'll have, like the the play, your playing partner or your opponent or whatever will do like in a hushed tone like get, get down real low and be like now he is looking to hold his chip but you say it loud enough so the guy can't hear you and uh, <laughs> so we do have there is an element of commentator sauce that you can also mix in uh, mix into your round oh I like that a lot and I think yeah I think we might all kind of accidentally do that but just not have the commentator sauce name to it like certainly uh we, we love watching the PGA Tour because the, the commentators on that are just phenomenal. There's just so many personalities and, you know, so many quotable quotes from those guys on a weekly basis. It's, uh, it's hard, it's hard not to kind of bring it back to your own game. No one, no one does it better than your guy, uh, David Faraday. I mean, that, uh, that guy is truly a talent as far as wit and ability to think on his feet and he shows it so well on his show on the Golf Channel and, and during mid-round commentary out on the golf course. And it's, I think it's kind of, I mean, I don't have experience doing on-course commentating, but I think it's kind of, it's got to be difficult to keep up with everything going on when you're just following one group out there. I know he has guys in his ear and whatnot, but I'm just amazed at how well he sets the scene. And I think he does it really better than anyone else out there. Yeah, he really manages to kind of go right to the edge of, inappropriate things to say uh, you know when on daytime tv so it's uh, uh he, he's a he's a he's a favorite of ours anyway he certainly polarizes opinion which is a good thing he does it in such a unlikable way i mean they're like johnny miller i think is a very polarizing guy you'll find guys that are huge johnny miller fans and a lot of people that can't stand him at all um and i think miller i think i think he is tr- just trying to genuinely be honest i don't think he is you know, trolling to uh, drive up traffic on the internet or, you know, trying to blow up Twitter with all the crazy things he says. But Faraday manages to do it in a way that's so not ego-driven and not really that controversial. Yet, like you said, he comes close to being inappropriate at times, but he never seems to cross that line. I know that, again, McCord has crossed that line before in the past and got himself in quite a decent amount of trouble and how how Faraday's managed to, to do that while all that... All that commentary being on your feet is uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's really great, like the lovable rogue of the PGA Tour. Yeah, I don't know. You you might um, now that you're over here in the Netherlands and Europe, you might be able to pick up uh, Sky Sports. Um, they do coverage of the European Tour, and we have somebody very uh, who's a big favorite of ours called Wayne Riley. He's uh, his nickname is Radar, but he's from Australia and. He, he comes up with some absolute crackers out on the course and commentary. He's, he's a real personality, and they've they've kind of upped, upped it a bit more this year with the, the the kind of side videos that he'd do at a tournament. And and yeah, he's he's one he's one that you'll uh, you'll come across now in the next uh, the next while when you're here in Europe. He's he's a good one. Yeah, just in being, I've only been in Europe here for about two weeks now, and uh, just seeing the time. Like I was trying to watch the final round of the Fries.com Open on Sunday, and it. I think it, the leaders teed off some around 10 p.m. here, and I, I just was like, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> I'm going to have to have to be watching European Tour golf if I want to watch golf, it seems like. I know that the U.S. tournament was out on the West Coast, so it's a little bit even further uh, further delayed for me here. But, uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about the European Tour and uh, hopefully still being able to stay up to speed with what's going on back home in the states but uh it's going to be a challenge i have a feeling yeah this is a tricky time of year for watching golf in the states when on the west coast swing because of the eight hour difference once it comes once it comes back to the east coast uh, or you know even the central states it's pretty good because you get like some nice uh nighttime tv especially sunday nights are <clears throat> one of my favorite nights of the week just to sit down and watch the final round of the pga tour yeah yep, no it's been the, the biggest shock to me has actually been not being able to watch a single minute of sunday night or monday night football when you just wake up and the whole game has happened and usually i mean i don't sit down and watch every minute of it but 
it uh, usually you know you're, you're jumping in and out. You'll be so aware of what's going on. It's just like you wake up and you literally read a score. It's, uh, it's it's quite a change for me, that's for sure. Oh, we're gonna have to figure out a way to get you your football fix in the golf as well. Yeah, I think yeah, what we, what we call soccer, I guess, is gonna have to try to replace that. I'm trying to get into it. I just I know so little about all the leagues over here. And uh, I've been trying to follow. I know the Netherlands played Iceland last night. I watched I watched some of that with a friend, and and then they got smoked. I was like, all right, my, I'm bringing my cursed fanhood of all my sports here to, over here to Holland. They're gonna send me right back where I came from. <laughs> Speaking of the PGA Tour, you're gonna have to tell us a story about how you've got Scott Langley, a PGA Tour pro, on board with Tour Sauce. So much so that he actually has tour sauce custom stamped into his wedge. To tell you the truth, I really don't know how it happened. I know that uh, I'm friends. Actually, I'm, I grew. I'm friends with Kyle Stanley on tour, and I don't know if he, if Kyle and uh, Scott ended up talking about it or, or something. Uh, but I know Scott ended up following us, and he read it or something, and was talking to Kyle about it. And Kyle texted me and said uh, something about, you know, Langley's huge fan of tour sauce. So I, I just sent Langley a direct message on Twitter. And we, we, started, we started chatting a little bit and making jokes back and forth. And then the idea just came to me. And I said, I said, I just I direct messaged him. I said, we've nominated you to be the first ever player to stamp tour sauce on the back of your wedge. And he responds almost immediately and says, it would be the greatest honor of my career. And a perfect 61 degree wedge to put it on. And so I was like, wow, that's awesome. Didn't take a whole lot of it. And uh, I remember I was, it was, I just got home from work one night and I was taking a nap and I woke up and I had like four texts from people and just said, Langley! And I was like, I was confused what was going on. I was like, there's not a tournament going on. He's not like, he didn't just get a hole in one or something. And then like, I checked Twitter and sure enough he had posted it on Twitter. I was like, we made it. We made it. Tor sauce has made it from, you know, my, my foursome with my buddies all the way to the PGA Tour. So I just couldn't help but laugh. It just shows you the power of Twitter and the power of the, the information age of how, how stuff can spread so so quickly. But uh, it's fun to see a, a tour guy kind of embrace some of the ridiculous parts of tour sauce. I mean, I always, people ask me, they say, like, you know, is tour sauce a bad thing? And I say, well, I mean, some stuff, it makes sense. Like, if you had a wayward drive and you're on the PGA Tour, it makes sense to point so the marshal can see where the ball's going and, you know, you want the fans to know that the ball's coming towards them. But, like, some of the stuff, like the spike mark blame, and, like, the one I've never understood is after you hit a bunker shot, you know, you, hit, you flop it out, you hit it to three feet or whatever, what is the purpose of using your feet and raking over the spot where you were standing and where you hit from? The caddy's going to have to go in there and rake it anyways. Wiping your feet over across the sand does absolutely nothing. Yeah, I agree. I find that the mo- one of the most ridiculous things ever. And anytime I see anybody doing it, I, I, I laugh even more now that I'm aware of the tour sauce. But it's it's the most token effort ever to help your caddy out. <laughs> and the divot fix, too, is also one of my favorites, where you, you hit a good iron shot from the fairway, and then you you tap the ground as if that fixes the divot somehow. The divot's still 20 yards down the fairway, all right? There's nothing, you're not fixing anything. You're not putting sand in there. All you do is tap the ground with your club while waving at the crowd. It does absolutely nothing. So that's the kind of stuff that we wanted to, wanted to make fun of and highlight. So it's, obviously when you do that with your friends, it looks, it looks especially ridiculous. So that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the summation of what the whole point of tour sauce is. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, we've we, we've really enjoyed bringing it to our games the last couple of weeks, and certainly you know, if somebody's had a bad hole or you know somebody's in a dark place, and all you have to do is a little bit of tour sauce, and it gets everybody laughing again. And it's... that makes me happy. I love seeing it. Some people will send us videos of some of the some of the sauce that they'll spray out there. But my favorite is still is still the apology when you hit a wayward drive into. Into somebody's yard and they're out doing yard work and you sign the walk over to them and sign the glove and apologize. I've I've not seen it fully executed. I know we had one of our followers that uh, he did sign a glove and he put it on the guy's fence because he hit his house and he took a picture of him leaving the uh, leaving the glove on the guy's fence and that that was one of the best ones I've seen. Fantastic! Oh my god! I'll actually tell you the best one. Actually, the, the best was I actually was there in person. One of my friends. I was playing in a uh, member guest tournament with my dad, and one of our friends won the whole event. He won a trip to Pebble Beach. He won thousands of dollars, and it was a, it was a big deal. The whole the whole club is gathered around the 18th green watching, 
and you know, they sink the final putt to win and out comes his family onto the green he pulled the family move oh, two kids run on the green his wife kissed him and and like I've, I've videoed the whole thing just dying laughing because he loves tour sauce more than anyone justin i know you're gonna listen to this so um it was it was it, no one could ever top that moment it was in front of over 100 people probably and uh, his family ran on the green as he, as he won a, what they call a major title at the uh, Sayota Reserve Country Club. So that was, that was the best tour sauce I've ever seen and probably likely ever will see. That's, that's going to be very hard to top. And, uh, yeah, congrats to Justin. Like, that's a serious prize to win, like Pebble Beach. Yeah, what's funny is that he asked me to be his partner, and uh, I told him I couldn't do it because I, I was just, I'd been, uh, I'd been traveling too much. And then my dad's partner dropped out, and he asked me, and I was like, well, if my dad's going to ask me, I really should play. And so he, he liked to rub that in my face a little bit, that uh, if I would have just said yes to him, I might have been going to Pebble Beach with him. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Look, I can't wait to see the, the next, you know, part four or, you know, commentator sauce. I've, I've got, I think I have a tour sauce part four open in our drafts on our website that I've tried to go into about eight times, and I've just had trouble drumming up enough stuff. I felt like part three already, I was stretching it. And uh, I just feel like part four would be too much ridiculousness. But I keep thinking of things that I haven't written of that it's just hard to get into into word format to to really make it work. But uh, uh, like something like you can't really put a, this in GIF format. But when your buddy's about to tee off on the first tee, just get, getting your announcer voice on and saying like you're saying it on a loudspeaker, like. Yeah, from Dublin, Ireland, Barry O'Hanrahan. Oh, God, yeah, we could do that. You know the um, the guy, Ivor Robson, who does the voice of the Open Championship? I think that there could be something in there. I mean, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's tough to impersonate, though. That's a really tough one. The Jim Nance hush tone is really easy to do, but I don't know if you could pull off the Ivor Robson on the first tee. Yeah, that's a tough one. Maybe, yeah. There's a Jim Nance website where you can, you know, you could push buttons and it just does all the Jim Nance phrases. It's, it's quite entertaining for a few minutes. Really, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to find, dig that one out again from the the vaults and put it up on the Twitter. I, uh, I did love. I was watching that. I was in, I watched the Iceland Holland game last night. And the announcer, as uh, you could tell, he had it prepared as the game ended. Uh, Iceland won two 0 That uh, he said, and in the land of the volcanoes, Iceland erupts. And that uh, just reminded me of Jim Nance immediately of all the cheesy things he says at the uh, at the end of events. Brilliant, brilliant. Speaking of the PGA Tour, and um, well, this is not a really good segue at all. But I think we, you know, we have an American guest on the show. We're going to need to talk about the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I'm, I actually, I don't know what you're talking about. I refuse to uh, even acknowledge that that event uh, exists anymore until we win it again. I think. I mean, uh, the stats show that ever since Barack Obama was elected president of the U.S., we've not won a Ryder Cup. So, I mean, that's, that's clear. Tom Watson's getting way too much blame, and I think it's very clear that it all, it all rides with uh, Barack Obama. Oh, well, I mean, if, if you've got stats like that, then I think we we could just finish the conversation now. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, today the big development was that the, uh, they announced they're coming out with a task force um, about a three-day golf event that is held once every two years. Which I just find amazing. I mean, I, I think that uh, Tom Watson caught a lot of blame for what happened this year at Glen Eagles. And don't get me wrong, I think Tom did a very, very poor job capping the team from beginning to end. But I also don't think it was entirely his fault. Now, what I, what I didn't like from the get-go was, if you go back to 2008 when Paul Azinger took, took over, and Azinger is the... Uh, He's what we'd call in the States, he's the backup quarterback of the town, whereas the, the joke is the backup quarterback's the most popular uh, guy in any football town because you always think he's going to be better than the guy that's currently in there. But so Hazinger's the, uh, the, the, the soup of the day, I guess you could say, and everyone wants him back as captain. But what he did do in 08, so in 04 and 06, the U.S. lost 18 and a half, 9 and a half in back-to-back years. So that was a complete debacle. And I refuse to call what happened, what's happened in the last three or four Ryder Cups to be a true debacle. But what he did is he took over the entire process. He moved, he asked for four captain's picks instead of two. He moved the date back to which he could select his captain's picks to after the tour championship, which doesn't sound, that sound like it would kind of have been a good thing for Tom Watson to have this year. But Corey Pavin also, when he was captain, he kept four captain's picks. Um, Davis Love the third did the same thing in 2012. Watson, 
I don't have a direct quote. I've been told this. Uh, I'm sure it's published somewhere. I haven't looked it up myself. But I was told Watson wanted to get rid of all the captain's picks. He wanted it to just be a point system. He was able to successfully get it limited from four to three. And the date, I think the date of when he selected the picks kind of coincided with when it was selected in 2012 as well. Mm-hmm. But I think we can all agree that it was kind of like we're looking around like, wait, why did they have to decide this so early? Like, who wouldn't want Billy Horschel or Chris Kirk on this Ryder Cup team right now? And, like, just the reasoning he gave for why that didn't happen. Did you? I don't know if you caught what his reasoning was. He said, no, we couldn't do it two weeks before because families need to plan. I heard that. I thought that was the most un- ridiculous excuse ever. I mean, like, any, anyone can pick up a flight at any time, you know, lastminute.com or whatever. It's a chartered flight that they also don't take over. They don't take it until, like, the Sunday before. All your outfits and everything, they're all late. They're all provided for you. You don't even need to pack much. Not even the wives. The wives' outfits are packed for them. Like, it, it, it just blow, like, it blows my mind how, how much he refused to take ownership of his captaincy. And I, I just feel like there's a huge flaw in the way the U.S. approaches it versus the way Europe does. They seem to go for the most accomplished players. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think... Other than Watson being an excellent, amazing Hall of Fame golfer and one of the legends of the game, what else qualified him to be a good Ryder Cup captain of this team at his age? I, I, I just don't see what was really there. I mean, I know he captained a completely different group of guys in 1993 to a win. At, uh, I think it was at the Belfry, but why, why does that make him the best qualified individual? It's, it's, like a, it's almost like in the U.S. you have to win a major before you become a Ryder Cup captain. And it's like, why, why does that make you more qualified to bring a group of 12 guys together to select the best talent and, you know, to, to form a team camaraderie in a three-day event? It's not just like, I mean, for all I know, you or I could be a better Ryder Cup captain than, than you know, an eight-time major champion. It's, it doesn't mess. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. He's also one of the worst owners ever of, a, of an NBA franchise. I just, I, 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 I don't understand what the PGA of America is, I guess, thought process mm. of a coalition of Tiger, Phil and whatnot. I think it's only making it worse to be honest. This is great, just for our listeners if they haven't heard this, so today um, it, the task force was created um, so it includes PGA Vice President uh, Derek Sprague PGA Chief Executive Officer Pete Bavacqua past captains Ray Floyd, Tom Lehman, Davis Love, past Ryder Cup team members Ricky Fowler, Jim Furyk, Phil Mickelson, Steve Stricker and Tiger Woods and not forgetting PGA Secretary Paul Levy. So I don't know, like are these guys ever going to get together for a meeting? Are they just going to have WhatsApp chats together? Are they going to have a, a are they going to have group emails? Like or group Skype chats? I have like how, how is, I don't understand. Is this, is this just a facade really to kind of, uh, keep the media quiet or calm? I, I don't know why they'd want to call more attention to it than they already have. I really don't. I think, honestly, I think if you give the captain, you just need a captain that is not going to get, is not going to let his ego get in the way. And I think Tom, I mean, he, he, he knows himself as, that he's a legend of the game. And I don't blame him. I mean, like, the guy is, is a true legend of the game. It'd be hard not to have an ego about it. Whereas somebody like Azinger is not afraid to ruffle some feathers. I mean, if you look back at the team that Azinger won the 2008 Ryder Cup with, I know that there were some issues on the European squad that week. I know the players were not fond of Nick Faldo, and there were some questionable players on the uh, on the European Ryder Cup team. I know I think Oliver Wilson was on that team. Um, so I know it's not the, the greatest triumph uh, in uh, American Ryder Cup history, but his captain's picks were not exactly the... Uh, the cream of the crop. I think he, he picked Chad Campbell, J.B. Holmes, Boo Weekly, and I forget who the last one was. But it was he just picked guys that fit the format, you know, could play well with each other, fit the course, rather than just picking guys that he knew and that had played there before, you know. And I feel like uh, you know, the, uh, Shane. I did a podcast a while back with Shane Ryan of Grantland. He made a great point of just like. What does experience mean in the Ryder Cup at this point, as far as in the U.S. side? Like, Jim Furyk's experience and Mickelson's experience, like, is that a positive at this point? They're so used to losing this event. Like, look at the way, like, Spieth and Patrick Reed played this week, just showing up for the first time. Like, why not fresh blood? 
Yeah, I, I think it's great. It's something we we noticed as well. I mean, these guys are just so used to teeing it up against the best of the best every week, week in, week out. So, you know, the <clears throat> the Ryder Cup's like, uh, you know, got that major feel about it. And yeah, like you said, those you know the new guys don't have those mental scars. Yeah, I see. I, I'm a big. I don't know about you. I'm a big proponent of the. I, I don't like looking just at the results and overreacting to them. So. If, if Ian Poulter doesn't make those, and I actually wrote, wrote this in our, our Ryder Cup preview, and uh, Shane Ryan also sampled this part in his Grantland preview column, is the amount of things that had to happen for Europe to win the 2012 Ryder Cup, it was astonishing. Like, the list, it honestly probably had to be like 10,000 to 1 that all of these things would happen in a row, starting with Poulter. If he, Poulter doesn't burn the last five holes on Saturday, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll say it, the U.S. wins the Ryder Cup. I really do believe that. Totally, yeah. If Justin Rose doesn't birdie the last three holes on Sunday, U.S. probably wins the Ryder Cup. If Furyk doesn't choke the last two holes of the Ryder Cup, U.S. probably wins. If Stricker doesn't choke on 17, U.S. probably wins. Like, would we be overreacting if just one of those little things had happened and the last four Ryder Cups would be U.S. 2, Europe 2? Like, I don't think we would. I made the, I made the comment a couple times on Twitter. The last four Ryder Cups, Europe has 57 points, the U.S. has 55. Yeah, obviously winning it means a lot more than that, but is there a true structural problem here? Uh, you know, is there something we need a complete makeover on, or are we overreacting to the fact that we, you know, we've lost the last three? It's a, it's a good point. I mean, it is. The, the, the matches have been a lot closer, and to be honest, as a European fan, it's a little bit... Um, it's worrisome because we know the U.S. haven't performed at their best, and you know, over the last number of Ryder Cups. And if they had, you'd have to wonder: Would the U.S. be overwhelming winners of the last few over Europe? We seem to just have been able to get the the captaincy and the team bonding and the you know the team atmosphere to a lot a lot nicer level than the, the U.S. team have, and it's. You know, and plus we had that little perfect storm in Medina as well of all those factors you just mentioned. You know, yeah, I just like I look back at the 2012 Ryder Cup and I honestly see it as a success for the U.S. I thought they played so amazingly well and it just all fell apart at the end. They were up 10-4 at one point on Saturday. Like that thing was over. I'm sorry, that was over. And then Love just made a couple poor decisions. I think Phil had a lot of influence in it, but. Sitting Phil and Keegan on Saturday afternoon when they were three and zero, trying to preserve them for Sunday. They both ended up going and losing their matches anyways. That really backfired. And I just feel like the U.S. Should, the U.S. basically won that in my mind. I know they didn't get the trophy. I know that I look probably too much into the process and not enough at the results. But in my mind, it's like, look, this was working fine two years ago. It really was. And hey, if you have a healthy Tiger Woods this year, a healthy Jason Duffner, and a not suspended Dustin Johnson. Doesn't that U.S. team look a little bit different and probably a lot more competitive in Scotland? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, Dustin Johnson's not suspended. I think that's the official line of. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just easier to say he's suspended. It is. It is. Well, yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. It's, that's a weird. That's a weird one on uh, the PGA policy on that. But we won't go into that now. While we're talking of Europe and the States, hey, you're, you've now arrived in Europe for a little period of time with work. Uh, what kind of what, what plans do you have for your own golf in Europe? Well, I brought the sticks with me. There was the, everyone's asking if I brought them, and there was never going to be any doubt that I was bringing my clubs with me. But uh, I do plan on obviously making my way over to Ireland and Scotland. I know I have a my work buddy Scott is going to be heading this way at some point to uh, to do a little week long trip in one of those countries. And then my dad uh, has actually never played in Ireland, so he wants to come play in Ireland. He's played in Scotland, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a, a week long trip. Um, there as well at some point. So, um, so what, what are you, what are some of the things I need to hit? What in what order is it easy to get around? I mean, I'm I'm kind of a, I'm a virgin when it comes to European golf, so I, I got uh, I got nothing to go off of. We could give you weeks worth of vacations here for for golf, but I th- I think for yeah, that's what I just need to know is where do I fly into? Do I rent a car? How many can I do in a day? It, it would take some work to draw it all out. It's it's just hard to. I've tried to do some research myself and just seeing what the distances are between some of the courses that I've at least heard of. But I have a feeling that there's probably some really good deals as well on courses that I haven't heard of that are probably really really nice and fly a little bit uh, a little bit more under the radar. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think for the truly dramatic, you, you need to get out to the west coast of Ireland. 
One course I, I couldn't recommend highly enough is a place called Karn. It's out on the very west tip of Mayo. It, it, it sneaks, it's in the top 10 courses in Ireland, but so few people have heard of it. It's one of these weird hid, hidden gems, but it is, uh, it's one of the best links courses I've ever played and probably will ever play in my life. That's what I like to hear is the, uh, the hidden gems. Cause I mean, I've, I've played, I've been pretty lucky. I've played a decent amount of the top. Uh, I say decent amount, but I've played a few of the top, you know, 100 or so courses out there. Some of the ones that aren't on the list or, or, or that are way further down the list, I've enjoyed more than some that I've played in the top 10. I mean, it's just finding like an old Alistair McKenzie design uh, or something like that is a lot more entertaining to me than, you know, just a, a big a big ball, big cookie cutter ballpark like some of these courses are. So I just can't wait to play. Uh, it's a completely different style of golf over here. I know that. And I, I've the only somewhat comparable experience I've had is playing out of Bandon Dunes in Oregon. Oh, nice. I absolutely loved that style of play, just flighting the ball lower. It was a really big wide fairways out there, which was fun to me. And You just had a lot of chance to be creative with the wind and whatnot. That just made me want to, like, <clears throat> I think we were five holes in, and I told my dad, I was like, oh, this is why I can't wait to go play in Ireland and Scotland. Like, this is just too much fun. Yeah, well, you're going to absolutely love it. And they, they have quite a number of Lynx style golf courses in the Netherlands as well. I know the one they play the, uh, the KLM Open on is called Kenmer Golf Club, and that's kind of a Lynxy feel to it. Well, not completely Lynxy, but definitely, yeah, it's one you're going to need to flight that ball low on. And yeah, I noticed, I saw that they, uh, the back nine of that, of that course this year, it was under 3,000 yards long. I know you guys probably use meters more than you use yards, but that was crazy short. I could not believe that there was a, a European tour course where they had the back nine was below 3,000 yards long. I tell you, when the wind gets up on a Lynx course properly, you'll be you'll be begging for a lot of them to be shorter. You know, you could be play, you could be playing a, a 400 yard hole and be hitting driver three wood wedge if the wind is in the wrong direction. See, that's more fun to me, honestly, than like than uh, you know just hitting, hitting a driver in a wedge, pitching onto the green. I love good challenging conditions. I just think that's that. Uh, at the end of the day, your score is probably not much to brag about, but I just feel like it's. Uh, it adds a whole new element of fun when the wind's howling like that. You sometimes have a four or five club wind. It, uh, it, that, that, that's, that's what the game's all about to me. Yeah, it's not, It's a really great challenge when it's like that. And uh, certainly plenty of opportunities to blame the wind for a tour saw style, you know? Oh, yeah. You can, yeah, absolutely. You act confused. Pull your yardage book out. And yeah. Be very confused with the direction of the wind and look at every available resource, looking at the trees, although there's not many trees, I don't think of on the Lynx courses, but uh, yeah, just act extremely confused as if you've never seen win before is an excellent tour sauce move. I love it, I love it. Well, we'll definitely, uh, we'll work on pulling together a little itinerary of courses for you to play here in Ireland. That would be very much appreciated. And uh, hope, hoping we can link up with you and join you on that trip. Yeah, so it's good. That's what I was going to say next. Is you'll, have to, you'll have to join me when I'm in your area, for sure. Absolutely. I'm sure you're welcome. We have a couple of rounds in our home courses as well. You know, We'll have a Tour Sauce International Challenge match. We can just keep, keep, keep one up for each other. I want to see what kind of Tour Sauce you can bring to the table. All right, good stuff. Well, look, we'll, uh, we'll get practicing our Tour Sauce, and you, you get that ball flight nice and low, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there. All right, send us, you have to send us some videos of when you get the, when you get a good tour sauce moment. Send us a vine or, or something like that, and uh, we'll be sure to share it. Yeah, you got it, you got it. Look, Chris, uh, thanks a million for joining us on the show, and uh, hopefully we can reciprocate someday and come back on your podcast and give you a little flavor of Ireland to your listeners. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'd be glad to come on anytime. And we'll, uh, if I ever get it back up and running and figuring out how to record it, here, uh, from here in Europe, uh, we'd love to have you on. It'd be awesome. Sounds great. Thanks a million for that, Chris. Yeah, man. Thanks, Barry. So that was Chris uh, very kindly talking to Barry over the last couple of days about nolayingup.com, and uh, I found it a great interview. And if anybody out there has any views or any comments on it, uh, we'd love to hear from you at a podcast GTS. Um, I suppose we have to move on fairly quickly on to the a myriad of events that are taking place this week and the first i suppose which is taking place at the moment is the pga grand slam of golf this is where the four major winners and well three this year and jim furick who was added they were playing in the bahamas i think isn't it uh yep uh, bermuda bermuda sorry bermuda and um 
we've just found out that uh, while on air that Martin Keimer has won at the first playoff hole with Bubba Watson two day event it was minus six minus six plus two and plus three so Rory and Jim didn't really turn up for for the event and that's good good for Martin Keimer it's good for his uh Good for his bankroll. There's serious money on offering this thing. How much does so. he get for that? I think it's something like half a million or a million. I always know it was crazy money. That's why Harrington always went to it every year when he was eligible to play. Jesus. Yeah, big big money money spinner for them. So well, wheel, really bar, wheelbarrow time. Well, Martin, send a few over to me if you don't need it. Um, the other events, I suppose, is the, the Volvo World Match Play Championship, which started today, Wednesday. Uh, GMAC defends and... I think day one he's been all right so far. He's still there. Yeah, starting starting well. So uh, we may as well give you a score update because we have them all here. Um, so there's four groups, four players. They all play each other and um, you know go through to a knockout scenario. So in the Larson group, uh, GMAC and Loughton have won. Uh, in the Palmer group, Henrik Stenson and George Pizzea have halved and Jai D has won over Molinari. In the McCormick group, Paul Casey and Jonas Blixt won. And in the Gabrielson, Gabrielson group, that was a tricky one, uh, Victor Dubuisson and Shane Lowry have won. So, uh, two very exciting match players and it'd be good to see them in the later rounds, particularly around Shane Lowry. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that on the European Tour website over the next few days. Bit of match play golf, you know, cure that Ryder Cup hangover for lack of match play in our lives at the moment. Yeah, and it, it um, I suppose just very briefly on it, Graham McDowell is four to one, Victor de Buisson is five to one, Paul Casey is six to one, Henrik Stenson six to one, Shane Lowry nine to one, and uh Joss Luton is twelve to one, with Jaidi at twelve to one and the rest kind of go out from there. So uh there the the money is still clearly on McDowell, um must have come in probably over the over his three and two with last week's winner, Alexander Levy. Yeah. But um be an interesting tournament and one we'll have a better look at again next week, I suppose. We thought we'd bring it to you now because of the fact that it's currently in, in, in play. Um, the Hong Kong Open, um, this is, uh, Jimenez speciality, I think. This is his, this is uh, his, his wheelbarrow event. Yeah, he's won at this now the last two years. Um, or is it three, three, three wins in a row? Two wins in a row. He's going for his third in a row. Oh, he's now. going for yeah. his third in a row. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's. I'm. I'm. I'm assuming he's on very short odds in this. Uh, Crazy this. short, yeah. He is the favourite at ten to one. Ten to um, one. So yeah, followed by Colserts at fourteens, and also with Ernie Els at fourteens, Bordy at twenties, uh, Lahiri at twenty fives, Lipsky twenty eights, Dirksen twenty eights. Dirksen's actually retiring after this year, even though he's playing phenomenally well at the moment. He's gone off to do. Other things in golf in the Netherlands. I think he's got a, an academy for uh, in the Netherlands himself. In terms of the Hong Kong Open, it's going to be probably played late late into the night or early morning over here. But um, are you going to put any money on this, Barry? It's on no. Sky Sports, but uh, I'll watch a bit of it. Yeah, because it's golf on TV, and I'm a bit of an addict. But I'm not going to put any money on it. It's 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 a tricky one to call. You know, some players travel well, some players don't, and you can always mm. try fancy the the home guys, but. It's just it's just a tough one to shout. Anyway, the good news is there probably won't be any rain at this event or too much rain to stop it this week. No high temperatures, uh, so you know the scoring could be pretty good. Yeah, we're well, well, all well, flying well, far on a short course. And you were saying it's just under seven thousand yards, six thousand seven hundred yards. Oh, Par seventy now, short. but it's short for these guys. You know, they're so yeah, they they could really take it apart if they get going. Well, yeah, well, it would be interesting, you know, I suppose if they say that if a course suits the eye and you've got a good feeling of it, you know, it's hard to look past Jimenez, who's done it twice. Um, it'd be interesting to see if any player, um, I don't know the answer and you won't know the answer, and if you do, I'll, I'll, I'll take my hat off to you, but I would be interested to see if there's ever been a player who's won the three times in the same event one year after the other oh that's a good one on any tour actually on any tour something else if anybody knows perhaps they might get in contact with us at podcast gts mm. uh, barry will eat his hat but uh um and i'll tip mine to you uh over in america the second event on the new tour is taking place um, and that's the shriners hospitals for children open um i'm guessing that is a charity sponsored event rather than um a company but uh, Webb Simpson defends. Um, hopefully he'll have a better event this year at the event than he did at the Ryder Cup. 
But um, Billy Horschel, I think, is leading the betting um, 14 to 1, Matsuyama 16 to 1, Jimmy Walker at 20 to 1, defending champion Webb Simpson at 20 to 1, uh, Brooks is 22 to 1, Ryan Moore is 22 to 1, and Kevin Na is 28 to 1, with Martin Lard at 28 and everybody else thereafter. Um, any value in there, Barry? Anybody you're going to suggest to the listeners to put their hard earned money that the budget has given back to them on? This this course plays kind of like a shootout. You know, it's kind of appropriate that they're in Vegas. It's one of the easiest par seventy ones on tour. Generally, the scoring is it's a birdie blitz, and it kind of throws up more surprise winners than you know the the ones that you kind of predict from the top of the gambling. So, you know, look for somebody who's in a little bit of form and can really get string the birdies together when they get going well. Sang Moon Bay fifty to one out there. Winner yeah, last week. Do you know what? He had to battle hard on the Sunday, and he, you know, suffered a few bogeys on, and you know, around the turn, and he hung on well. But I'd say that took a little bit out of him. Um, I was Russell I'd, Knox there as well. He's always there or thereabouts. Russell seems to be playing. He plays really adapted well to the states. I like Brooks Kapka. He's in form. He is a birdie machine when he gets going. But you just he, want to prove that you were able to say his surname when I said he Brooks there a Brooks. second I knew, ago. I, knew you were over. I thought you were going to say cupcake like we called him a few weeks ago. And <laughs> um, yeah, certainly look look for players who can really bang in the birdies. And uh, what about Camila Vajega, sixty six to one? Got back on the winning horse a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's a very very popular player. Could do it. You never know, but uh, I'm not. I'm no tipster pro. I'm just gonna lay out the facts and let everybody else make their decision. Rather than I'm gonna sit on the fence. Well, I was just hoping if I mention everybody in this tournament that the person who then wins it, I can say next week. And of course, we talked about him last week on the yeah. uh, on the event. Poor Harrington's playing, uh, 125 to one. He doesn't. He has to play for his card. I think is he using his exemption? Isn't that right? This this year on the. I think, no, he's looking for he's, he's gone with sponsors invites this year sponsor yeah. invites so he might want to try and hit the ground running and um, well that would be interesting uh, so f- really four events I suppose the Volvo and um, the American the, the Shriners Children Hospital I'm open I'm going to go with that for the moment because it's not killing written in front of, it's it. not written in front of me so I'm going to go with that um, they'll be the two main events and I think Hong Kong probably falls behind those two ultimately in the, in yeah. the rankings yeah. Um, sure look we'll, we'll see this time next week we'll know who's won um, and we'll bring the, the, the review of it and um, other than that I suppose it's just to say again thank you to Chris Solomon for sitting down with Barry uh, thank Barry for being here to talk all things golf thank Alan and Bobby for not being here this week and uh, thank you most importantly to the listeners for listening to us for downloading us and uh, following us on Twitter and giving us ratings on iTunes and if you haven't given us a rating on iTunes you might take 30 seconds and do it and tell your friends about the podcast so from me, from Barry, from all of us here thank you very much and we'll talk to you again next week Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.